We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, everybody, to the Monday Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Jeff Erickson, Chris Liss here. It is sponsored by winbet.com. Please uh, bet in the six states that you are allowed to bet in winbet, and uh, hopefully more will open up. But we thank them for their uh, sponsorship. We'll tell you how to do it a little bit later on in the show. Uh, but Chris, today is uh, going to be – we're going to have some evergreen content, but it's newsy first. Uh, the evergreen content is how we get the, what's behind the Rotowire wide receiver pass and, and tight end rankings. But the news is Aaron is Aaron Rodgers. You know, life comes at us pretty fast here. Yeah. Before we start, Jeff, though, you know, I want to make sure that people know that I'm a man of my word and I was telling the truth on the XM show. So here's the box of cigars that I got uh, for free. And uh, look at this. This is like a very, uh, a very fancy cigar. I wasn't lying. I got some other ones here. Gave me a couple of boxes. So um, that was for real. What I said today in the show. Living your best life. I really am. And uh, so thanks to Brad for hooking me up. Um, so, yeah, this Rogers news happened. Um, it, you know, you and I kind of poo-pooed it on the show because we thought, you know, this is, you know, a big deal. There's Ian Rappaport. Just, it was Rappaport. Let's be honest. We're just, doubting Rappaport. Just <laughs> saying the same thing he says every time, you know, oh, you know, there's no pl- there's plans. He doesn't plan to miss the season. We hope it works out. You know, just that platitudinous you know nonsense uh but it looks like it is real that they're just finalizing details and uh so i moved Devonte adams up to my number one receiver above tyreek hill and i moved uh, aaron jones from 13 to 9 so i have him right behind barkley and ahead of uh Najee harris okay I, I can get down with that and you know the thing is it sounds like it's a agreeing to make this the last dance and that's what that tweet was all about or uh or instagram i forget what if it was what medium he used to do that, but uh, communicate that. But he was just trying to say that this year will be their last time together, basically. And that was the deal that they're working out. Uh, and that way he gets a sweet, sweet freedom after this. Uh, the Packers get to use Jordan Love. Yeah, I, I think that is good, right? I mean, they didn't seem to have a great plan when they drafted Love. It was sort of like right. Rogers looks like he's on the decline. Let's get his replacement. And it didn't really go well. And I, I think that like... Um, having it a, a structure where you're like, Oh, we can trade him if we want, he can get his freedom and we can develop love after that. 
and have it be sort of set is is smart, right? I mean, the, the way they did it was just kind of haphazard before. Now they have a structure. Both sides can be happy and they can, you know, make it work. Yeah, that's right. And so, you know, it changes everything. You know, the, the person that got uh, Aaron Rodgers, remember Friday? I mean, we just go back to Friday. The sports books all took the Packers things off the lo- offline, all their futures bets. And everyone was like, does that mean he's retiring? Pro Football Weekly came out with something about that. Um, I, I kind of bought into it a little bit. I took Tannehill over Rodgers, but now that would be lunacy. I don't think it's lunacy. I mean, you got to remember what Rodgers was before last year. He was not yeah, good. Okay. For like five years. And obviously last year, I mean, it's the same offense from last year and he's got his same guys back. So probably I would take, I have Rogers ahead of Tannehill, but I, I mean, it's, he's not a way ahead of him. I think we have to regress Rogers pretty significantly from last year. That's a fair point. But point is I would take Rogers over Tannehill. Uh, yeah. What I know now and things change pretty quickly. Adams, he didn't really, you know, he didn't fade in every draft. He faded in some. Yeah, uh, where he'd go to the end of the second round. He'd go at the back of that first uh, group of wide receivers. And there was some regression that could probably be built in for him too, especially on the touchdown side of things. Yeah, I, I think uh, you got to regress him a bit. I mean, he was on basically pace for the all-time PPR wide receiver season. And I think that's – you can't project anyone for that. But, again, it's the same offense. It's the second year uh, – it's his third year in that offense. And – uh you know, he's a little older, but he's still in his prime. He's healthy. So I, I moved him up to 14 touchdowns as a projection, which is incredibly high for a receiver. Now it's a 17 game season, but still like you never project a receiver for 14 touchdowns. It's like projecting a pitcher for 20 wins. I was just going to say that that's like projecting Clayton Kershaw for 18, 19 wins, if not 20. And there you go. So that's really funny. Um, okay. So now that we know that that's in, in place, how about any of the other small parts there? Uh, are you bumping up Tunyon back up at all? I did bump him a little. I, I'm still down on him. He had 11 touchdowns on like 52 catches, which is just ridiculous. So, but I did bump him up to like 15th. I had him at like 19th. I was like the lowest in the industry on him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I bumped him up. I bumped, as I said, I bumped up Aaron Jones to nine. I think that you know it's it's full, you know it's full go. It's like he's a good running back who catches passes in what should be a top seven NFL offense. If it's like last year, it was, the, it was I think it was the number one offense. So, yeah, I mean, Aaron Jones gets moved up. I didn't really move up A.J. Dillon because I didn't really think Rodgers was that important to him. Uh, so, I don't know. I think it's, uh, you know, I don't expect last year. Rodgers won MVP last year, and the schedule was super easy, especially the passing right. game schedule. So, it'll you got to regress that. I mean, Devont, Devontae Adams is not going to be on a per-game basis. Um, he's... I don't want to say anywhere close, but he's not going to be, there's going to be substantial drop off from last year's per game pace, but yet he's still my number one receiver. I think, I I think those two things, statements can coexist. Um, Final part of this equation. There is some talk that part of the deal with Rogers and the Packers is that they'd go back and get Randall Cobb, which I thought was kind of interesting. Like Randall Cobb's that important to him, but you know, he doesn't really have a slot receiver and the, the Texans went out and acquired Anthony Miller. We're talking about, Oh, why would they get Miller if they've got Cobb in the slot right. already and Kiki QT? Well, here you go. Maybe that's why. Yeah. I mean, it's like, man, if you have Kiki QT, 
why would you even improve? There's just right. no reason. You have Randall Cobb. Oh my God, why would you even consider bringing anyone else? Um, but it's Anthony Miller. How is that right, an improvement? Right. That's no, the, the I know, I know, I know. no, it makes sense that, you know, it, it's not that they're good. It's that they're two guys who do the same thing. And so why not? Uh, maybe it's a precursor to moving Cobb as soon as the Rogers deal is finalized. It's hard to get excited about Cobb. He's, he's going to be 31 in August. And it's been a while since he was particularly relevant. He was pretty good on the Cowboys that one year. But uh, but you never know. I mean, they don't. You're right. They don't have a slot receiver. It's such a weird team. You have Aaron Rodgers, who's one of the greatest players of all time. I mean, you might mm -hmm. not think. You know, people differ on this, but like he's a top ten or fifteen player of all time, and you just couldn't get him a you know a basic slot receiver for all these years since you know since Cobb left. You couldn't get him a better deep threat than Marquez Valdez Scantling. I mean, it's just incredible the neglect that they've had. Right. And, and a lot of people are dumping on Rogers. Oh, he's a baby. He's a, you know, whiner. But as we said on the XM show, like, I think I saw something where he uh, was like Higgins, Ayuk, and Justin Jefferson were the receivers he liked from last year's draft. And they go in and they draft a quarterback in the first round and a third string running back in the second round in a year where they lost narrowly to Tampa in the NFC championship game, gave Tampa a better game than the chiefs did. And you wonder if there were a couple pieces that were useful for this year for last year, you know, maybe they win the whole thing. So I, I think like crapping on Rodgers for being annoyed at the situation is is you're not really looking at the whole picture. And and then in defense of the GM, um, Rodgers hadn't been Rodgers for five years. So right. how, did he, how did he know, you know, not to go get another quarterback? I think that the second round pick was kind of indefensible, even if A.J. Dillon turns out to be good. Um, that one to take a running back a year early when they had Jamal Williams, when you could have got a receiver, seems a little crazy. And a third round, like H back slash quasi tight end who barely played. And uh, also, they wasted yeah. second and third round picks to go with that there. And yet, they were still awesome and they returned some X number of starters and all that. So, wild stuff there. Uh, so, the other bit of news before we get into the process of and, and results of ranking the pass catchers is Michael Thomas, officially placed on the pup list. Now, uh, we, we kind of it just solidify it's the preseason pup list. So, it doesn't, that's not really the news. The news, though, is it broke Friday. You know, he had surgery in, in June for that ankle injury. It's a 12 to 16 week recovery. 16 weeks is going to put you square into October before you're really back. He's going to expect to miss the first week, first month of the season. And who knows what he's going to be like afterward. It, that's a big fancy draft shaping injury. Yeah, I, I was saying this on the XM show, but like they couldn't have told us about this in June. Like they had to wait a month, month and a half before they, you know, luckily I didn't draft him. So good. Thank you for not telling us. It hurt people I'm playing against, but what a raw deal. I mean, they, they knew yeah. that this had happened. Uh, I, You know, I don't know. I don't know if reporters should be asking more questions or it's so out of the blue. You, you know, you, you don't know. There's maybe someone else who has a, a surgery and we don't even know who it is. We don't know, even know who to ask about. But what is, I mean... How pissed are you if you drafted him, you know, two weeks ago and in the third round and you're like, this was already out there. He had already had the surgery. You were drafting sort of like, you know, a guy, you know, a guy who was already out till November. And, and it was it was known by people in the organization. It just wasn't known by you. Right. Well, I think teams have a vested interest in not letting think letting the public know, uh, you know, and it sucks. But, you know, what if they're trying to go acquire another wide receiver? They want to keep their options open at the very least. Right. So they don't tell anybody, oh, we're going to be without Thomas. You know, we're going to go at another wide receiver in, in the trade market. If someone gets you know released or if they it's just, you know, there's you know, it, you know, there's another Antonio Brown like situation. You know, maybe get them a, an extra round cheaper. 
because of that, because no one knows that you absolutely need them. I mean, I think it's like one of those things. I, I, I get it, but the Saints are so you know, salary cap crushed anyhow, that it's probably unlikely that they'd ever be involved in something like that. But still, I I, I understand. And plus the reporters aren't hanging around. They're not there. You know, right. it's, camps are done. It was, there was a June mini camp. It was, he is like, I think he even showed up for that. And then he was, he was going to get examined after that. Oh, well, he needed surgery. Sorry. We didn't tell you guys, but here it is now it's training camps about to report. We're going to, we're telling you now. Uh, and that's they're just going to put these reporters out of a job, though, because like that's the inside access that reporters have that people like us don't. Right. Like that. Mm -hmm. We just we can anyone can look at news, look at data, make, you know, calls. But these guys, they know the team. They're with the team. They know why was Michael Thomas not practicing all through minicamp? Why was or maybe he was for all I know. Why was this guy absent? What you know, what's going on with this? I, I talked to the coach. I that's you know they're supposed to get that stuff out. And you're right, there is a, a slight competitive advantage if you're trying to make a trade or a signing, and, and they don't know how desperate you really are. But like, you know, that's the kind of thing that reporters get to slip out because it's not like that important, right? It wouldn't be like crushing to their season if people knew that Michael Thomas were out. It's just a a bit of information. Maybe they preferred to keep quiet. Um, but anyway, I just you know that's. Man, I don't know. I'm I'm pissed if I'm you know if I've drafted him in the third round that 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 existed for six weeks and nobody right. knew about it. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, so that that's that that's huge, earth shaking uh, 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 news here for us. Thomas went eight point nine in my Friday night beach of Erickson draft, and I think that's even lower now. If I if I were to bet, I think we're still learning the extent of the injury on Friday. By now we know it's might it's it could be November or December before he's at full speed, you know it, you know at, at the very least a full month is off. You, I, I wouldn't take a guy in the eighth round when I know him. I'm not going to get him for a full month. You never know what he's going to be like when he comes back. It's the old PL principle. Yeah, I agree with that. But you know you're in the eighth round, and if you get two months of him, if you get eight good weeks like Michael Thomas weeks. Now of course there's a new QB too. It's not just right. he's already had you know it wasn't like he's the number one guy. And he's going to be himself 100% November 1st. And you're like, great, I'll take it. Um, we don't really know if he's going to be himself. And we don't know who he is without Breeze. So there's two big variables. Now, he did have a couple good games in the couple of games that he wasn't hurt last year with Taysom Hill. So he was still really good. He got his, uh, even with Hill. And the question is, is he going to be completely healthy? And nobody really knows. I mean, this is something from last year. And, and here we are going into this season. I mean, why wasn't this taken care of in January? You know, I mean... Right. I, I think maybe it was Stefani Bell. Somebody said that like some of these guys, like they feel fine in the off season and then they, you know, do their workouts and their off season stuff. And then they really start ramping up to full speed and they realize, uh Oh, this isn't right. So sometimes they have these late surgeries, but assuming he's fine and himself, even with Hill or Winston, whoever it is and say November 1st, you know, like he misses September, he misses part of October. He rehabs in the second half of October, November 1st, he's himself. Eighth round is great. Because you're getting, you know, arguably a, a second round type of guy uh, in, P in PPR that can win your league and your playoffs for you. And, you know, in your 10 man bench NFFC, you just, you know, you, you had room to stash him the whole year. Now, if you're in a six man bench, forget it. Don't draft him, cross him off the list. It's not worth it. Um, but in a deeper bench league, I can see it. I probably take him more like ninth or 10th, but there's a point where I'll take him, you know, because. You, you, he may not be himself, but if he is, I mean, how many of your 10th round picks pan out? I mean, they're, they're routinely just total waste. Right. And, you know, you have to wait a bit, but the payoff is pretty big. Yeah. And and not that uh, totally, uh, you know, take down uh, my opponent's uh, pick there, because uh, like where he was taken, 
The next receiver is LaVisca Chenault, Hollywood Brown, Will Fuller, Michael Pittman is me. Uh, I take all those guys probably over Thomas, but I, I look at your rankings, at least the PPR rankings we have on the site, according to your projections, which we've talked about projections before and, right. you know, take those with appropriate grain of salt. But, you know, I, you have them over like Curtis Samuel, Brandon Cooks, Antonio Brown, at least the projections have them there. I should move Antonio Brown up. Over. I would take Brown ahead of him. I, I actually think Brown. I would take um, Cooks. I'd take Brown. I'd take Tyler Boyd. I'd take Michael Gallup all over him. Um, I'd also take Pittman. I'd probably take, I'd probably take Chanel also. I probably would not take Traquan Smith. Gallup's a 50-50 call for me. Yeah, I don't love Gallup. I don't know. You know, Amari Cooper's hurt, though. And right. If he were out, Gallup would get interesting. It's hard to be the clear number three. Uh, and then we don't know what Jarwin's going to do. And that, that you know, might be the number four. Gallup's good. You know, he's like in a 16-game season, he's like 100 targets, good efficiency. But without an injury, it's it's just it's hard to get excited about someone like that. Unless you're in a league that starts like four flexes or, you know, it just goes really deep. Then Gallup's really interesting because he's he's got a good floor, but I'm not really in on him in, you know, these most of the formats. Yeah, I, I'd say that's right. Um, so, okay. Uh, now that we've covered that, uh, before we get into just discussing how you're going about your rankings, a quick note from our sponsor, WinBet. There's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire. It's making good decisions, and even more so, making the right decision. Listen up, folks. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcasts. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over unders, round robins, live betting, and, and and a, a lot much more at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette. Double down in blackjack. Slam the slots. That's what Chris likes to do. And try your yeah, hand at Baccarat. At Baccarat. No, actually, that's what you're – you're more of a Baccarat guy. You got your, your – No, I slam the slots. On. I slam okay. the slots. All yeah. right, good. All Unfortunately, you can't, you can't do it right now. It's, WinBet's only available in six states. Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey – Tennessee and Virginia, but it's rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all Rotowire listeners a risk-free bet up to five hundred dollars on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W Y N N B E T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for Rotowire's fantasy podcasts. Jeff Erickson and Chris Liss here. We're trying to. Uh, we we kind of covered some news items, but let's let's kind of head into the more of the meteor topic here. How you go about your rankings? We covered quarterbacks and, and running backs last week, plus just the general process. But wide receivers—that's like the first thing I feel like you do every year. You do the write-ups for the magazine every year. All the like the all the outlooks for the top wide receivers, the fantasy-friendly wide receivers. That's your work. You're doing that work. Yeah, I've done it for like 20 years. You know, sometimes I've written other sections, but I always write the wide receiver section. So I've just looked at them a long time, and you know which guys are the kinds of wide receivers you want to take, what kinds of players make big improvements year over year, what kind of guys just don't seem to have it. Um, so, yeah, I, I like doing the receivers. It's uh, I think they're the most dynamic position. You know, running back is just opportunity. Um, receivers actually have to get open. You know, they have to – you know, the, the running back, you you just decide to hand them the ball, and, and that they get a play. But the receiver, there's just so much more involved, so many more different skills involved – in getting target share and in making the most of your target share. And uh, I think it's the, uh, 
the one I, I guess the one I chose to keep writing. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, what's the, the thing you look at for first, what's, what's the one trait, if there is one that you look for first in a wide receiver, is it speed? Is it, you know, is it speed plus height? What, what, uh, you know, when you're looking to say like, okay, this guy's got the juice, this is the guy I really want to make sure I get this year. What's what, what jumps off the page for you? Well, I mean, I used to like the size speed guys and then barring that just the speed guys, but I've kind of gotten away from that. And, um, I've been sort of like forced kicking and screaming to acknowledge the route running skill guys without any special physical skills. I mean, Devonte Adams is like pretty strong. He's like six feet, six, one, two fifteen. So he's very dense. Mm-hmm. Um, and weight is actually correlated more with wide receiver production than height. So Adams is not, he doesn't, he's not big in the sense that he's like six, four, but he's strong and he's physical and he's, you know, obviously a very good red zone receiver and guys like Hopkins, right? Like Hopkins is slow. He's just got a slightly above average size. He's not big, uh, but he's just incredibly skilled. And Michael Thomas was that guy before he got hurt and uh, six, two, but slow Keenan Allen, six, two, but slow. Um, and, and when I say slow, I don't mean Jeff Erickson slow. I mean, slow, you know, for NFL wide receivers and, uh, and uh, normally I'd be insulted by that, but it's so darn true. I am yeah. slow. I'm You're slow. Really and, slow. you know, we're talking about NFL players, you know, I'm slow, yeah. you know, in the NFL, I'm fast in real life. I'm slow for, I'm slow for like real life. You're uh, slow I'm, for real life. I'm fast yeah. for real life, but I'm not even, I'm not even slow for the NFL. I couldn't even be, you know, you know, NFL, these are NFL freaks, but the point is relative to receivers, these guys are slow and, but they're just technicians. They have good hands that they, uh, they earn the trust of their quarterbacks. And so, you know, I, I started to look at just like skill. Um, Jarvis Landry's a guy I would draft, even though he's uh, really slow and smaller than even those guys, uh, because for some reason he had this uh, superpower of getting targeted no matter what. Now, last year he lost that power a little bit, but no matter what, Jarvis Landry would get targeted. And I think that's the biggest thing. Like, who do the quarterbacks trust? Can these guys just make sort of the routine plays and get open, move the chains? And in our PPR landscape and in the modern NFL where, you know, most of the top guys in the list are like Adams, Hopkins types. They're not Tyreek Hills. Tyreek Hill is a, a very good receiver, but he's also really explosive. That's the kind of guy I was drafting all the time. I still have him at number two, but it's Adams, Hopkins, those guys um, that – also, you know, you have to just look for skills. Now, if you can get both, if you can get DK Metcalf or AJ Brown, that's amazing. You get a guy who's incredibly physically talented and skilled. Now you've got the home run. The problem with AJ Brown and DK Metcalf is they don't get as many targets as say Adams uh, and Hopkins. But if DK Metcalf were assured the same number of targets as Adams, I would take DK Metcalf over him 10 times out of 10 or the same amount of targets as Hopkins. I don't, I think he'll get 135, uh, or whatever the prorated 17 game version of that is, but I would still bet on Adams and Hopkins to get more. And so I have those guys slightly ahead. You know, and I'd argue that the basic play is more skilled than we realize, you know, the, you know, that just the move, the chains catch. I, I think getting open is such a huge skill. It's a skill in and of itself, that route running, just the little subtle things a player will do to get open. Uh, Justin Jefferson's shown that he's got that ability to be able to do that at full speed. I think that without giving away your route ahead of time, I think these are the things that I think that sometimes those, you know, you know, are, are underappreciated or that we, we don't extol those virtues as much. I think they're starting to get extolled a little bit more as we're starting to see that. And that's why you see someone like that. That's why you see, 
you know, Jarvis Landry probably has it. The other thing Jarvis Landry has is I think he's really tough. Plays through a lot of injuries, makes catches in traffic, you know, those sort of things. Those are the things, you know, that that's what gets quarterbacks to trust you. Yeah, Landry's extremely tough, never misses games. Um, that that actually, yeah, probably does make a difference. And I agree, I, you know, Torrey Holt was the first receiver, it's probably happened again since then, to have four straight 1,300-yard seasons. And they said about him, you know, he wasn't like the fastest guy and he wasn't that big, but he, he could just change directions at full speed. And, you know, that's the kind of skill where it makes it very hard to cover you if you don't have to slow down to change directions. So there is probably aspects like that that aren't, you know, they don't show up in the combine. I mean, maybe the the cone drill or something, you know, who knows what drills simulate that. But in the end, like a lot of these guys, they're just really good at football. And so you have a guy like Nicole Hardman, who's the number two receiver ostensibly in KC, and he's fast. And he's with Patrick Mahomes, and you think, got to get him. But I was I was in on Hardman last year, and maybe this is the year he develops. But maybe, you know, that's the flip side. Like maybe he doesn't have, he might not have the football skill to be great. He may develop it, but we haven't seen it yet. And so I try to look for that also now, you know, just the sort of football skill. And it's not like I'm a scout. I just, I watch players. Obviously, I watch as many games as I can. But I also just try to, you know, trust production, right? Why is this guy getting 158 targets every year? Why is Keenan Allen, who's slow and very inefficient last year, why does he keep getting targeted, whether it's Herbert or Rivers? Well, for some reason, the quarterback trusts him, right? And the quarterback's seeing him every single day. So there must be something to that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Right. And it's funny, I was just about to bring up Keenan Allen because he represents one other point I wanted to make. And sometimes I think we get worried about uh, red zone targets, red zone touches. I, You know, and you should for the guys that aren't massive target hogs. But the fact is, Allen is a target hog. If he doesn't get the goal line touches, if he doesn't get the receptions, he's still going to have value. I like to try to find the guys that don't need to score touchdowns to have value for you. I mean, if you if you score double digit touchdowns, great, that's awesome. But you don't want. I I, I feel like there's a trap in rely, finding those guys that oh well he he's going to get all these red zone looks and that's even though he only gets ninety targets. I'm going to still want him, you know, and 
the, the problem is sometimes those targets, you know, the, the red zone targets don't always follow. You want, you know, do you want to avoid the touchdown dependent guys? I think that's the, the point I'm trying to make. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, like Devonte Adams is touchdown dependent. I mean, he's not only touchdown dependent. He's but, not. Yeah. Well, he is. I mean, because he's not going to make a lot of big plays. So he's never going to be the league leader in yardage, but okay. in PPR, he's going to get a lot of catches, but, he's touchdown dependent, but you can depend on his touchdowns. <laughs> you know, it's like you can count on them because Rogers loves to throw in close. Adams is a very good red zone guy. And you know, when they're down there, they're always throwing to Adams. Like he laps the league in red zone targets and inside the 10 targets. So you, it's like, he's touchdown dependent, but you can depend on that. That's fine. Mm-hmm. When it was Deshaun Jackson scoring nine touchdowns one year, you know, those, those deep guys, who knows? I think you could kind of count on Tyree kills touchdowns too, even though he's a deep guy because he's just so good and Mahomes is so good. So I, I think it's okay to count on that. I think DK Metcalf's another one that I, I count on double digit touchdowns from him. Uh, he's just such a monster that he's going to do it. Even AJ Brown didn't even get that many red zone looks and still had a lot of touchdowns. So I, I think all those guys you can count on. I think you get, you know, a little, you, you can get a little nervous when you're counting on the, uh, the more, you know, guys in the 20 to 30 range who had a bunch of, you know, chase Claypool, although he's a very, Big fast guy, I'd be nervous about Claypool getting that many touchdowns again. Sure, I understand on that. That is a guy I was kind of looking at there as as perhaps an example of that uh, concept. There, uh, how how important do you uh, uh, base like have you know systems like for instance? Let me rephrase it. Team context. Like, would you rather have a better offense but has three good receivers? We'll call them like say Dallas, for instance, and like CD Lamb. Versus maybe a lesser offense where you know you've got the guy. Well, I've got Allen Robinson at 10 and CD Lamb at 14. So that's there you go. That's a good answer. Right. That's a good comparison. So there. Robinson, I think, could lead the NFL in targets. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, they just traded Anthony Miller. Darnell Mooney was a fifth round pick or sixth round pick last year. That's really it, right? And Cole Komet's the tight end. I mean, is he gonna be good? Maybe, who knows? Um, they have some backs they'll throw to Tariq Cohen. Damian Williams, but it's, you know, Allen Robinson could get like, you know, 180 targets. Uh, and so that to me, that's the only game in town. He's good. The quarterbacks are not good, uh, but they could be better than last year's, which he's never played with a good quarterback. I know Ted Bell have his feelings hurt that I don't consider Blake Morrill's a good quarterback, but I think he'll be okay. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, he's, to me, that's, you know, that that's a classic example. And, and I'm, you know, I like Lamb, but you're right. There's there's three guys there. Now, if Cooper goes down, Lamb could then lead the NFL in targets, and then you know that he could be a top five receiver easily. Right. And the counter argument is maybe Lamb's playing a lot more in the slot. Maybe he's facing lesser corners. He's not facing double teams because Cooper's Cooper is back. I mean, that's always the the push and pull. You know. Oh yes, this, I, I'm going to be getting all these targets uh, because because my the other guy on the other side is down. But I'm also going to be drawing double coverage and all the Jalen Ramseys of the world. Now, there's only one Jalen Ramsey. I think that's the good counter. But uh, you're drawing the top cover corner every single week, and you're often drawing uh, double coverage. Um, I guess it's a question of how skilled is that player at beating double coverage or beating that top cover corner? Yeah, I mean, and also some teams, you know, do some pre-snap motion. They get a guy off the corner by putting him in motion, and it's hard to travel with somebody. I remember Ramsey was guarding uh, Devontae Adams in the playoff game, and he got kind of picked off of – Adams with motion, Adams caught a touchdown and Ramsey was pissed because, you know, he was shutting him down uh, and he got, you know, Adams got away with it by moving pre-snap. And I think that, uh, that there's some of that and there is some of, you know, can you beat double coverage? Uh, do you have somebody to take some heat off of you? 
you know, I don't know if, if the reason Juju Smith-Schuster stopped being a superstar was because Antonio Brown left, but I thought Juju was going to be a star. He was so good his first couple of years, and then uh, without Brown, he faded. Um, so, that you know, we'll see Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley in the games where Julio missed last year was actually better. You know, he that's was. where he got, got most of his production, so most people think Calvin Ridley can handle it, but, you know, we'll see if, if a team is, you know, We'll see what happens all season. Kyle Pitts is obviously there, so that's another wrinkle. But um, yeah, I, I, I typically give me the only game in town. Um, once in a while, that comes back to bite you, where he, the guy, really did need the, uh, you know, the extra guy to be a decoy. I think it's better to have decent decoys. Like, like I think it's like Terry McLaurin's in a perfect situation. I think because he can get the volume, but he's still got Curtis Samuel, Logan Thomas, who aren't going to like threaten his role. But they're decent. They can't just ignore those guys. And I think that's the ideal one. You know, I think Allen Robinson's going to get a ton of work. His, I think his, the other guys are a little light for him. He doesn't have quite as much. Uh, I think he'll be able to handle it. But you want like a little bit on the other side, but nobody that's actually challenging your, your role as a target hog. Yeah. Another interesting situation is Tennessee. A.J. Brown's, you know, the top incumbent guy, but they brought in Julio Jones, who has been the target guy for the longest time. Could Tannehill make Julio his favorite? Or And, and they run the ball so frequently with Derrick Henry. Are there are there enough targets to go around? Are you worried about A.J. Brown's target share now? No. Um, I had Brown at like number two or three when uh, before Jones signed. But uh, I'm not really worried. I think Jones could get more targets. Jones could be the 150 and Brown could be the 135. And obviously, you'd rather have Brown be the 150. But... Um, it's going to be a very efficient 135. Uh, Jones is going to draw a lot of coverage. Uh, there's going to be 450 to 500 pass attempts in a in a 17 game season. Henry's going to get his, but um, there's really no number three that's relevant. And I think that uh, I think there's going to be enough for both guys. So no, I'm not worried about AJ Brown uh, because of Julio. Uh, I would rather Julio not be there, but uh, I don't think it's going to. It, it maybe takes AJ Brown to the top three for me, but he's still in the top ten. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Uh, before we get on to any more topics about this, I want a couple more receiver topics I want to discuss with you, including, you know, second year and third year breakouts. A quick note from our friends at Dynasty Owner. Are you tired of going to the same old fantasy football leagues that get canceled a year after a year or so? If so, Dynasty Owner has your back. Go to DynastyOwner.com. New leagues for the 2021 season are forming now. Dynasty Owner unites the fun and excitement of fantasy football with the skill and strategy of the front office by incorporating a salary cap and real NFL player salaries for diehard fantasy football fans that want the real GM experience. Dynasty Owner adds a whole new level of strategy. Are you worried that you won't be able to find anyone to play in your league with? Don't worry. Dynasty Owner can help you fill your league with fantasy football enthusiasts like yourself. You won't have to worry about finding enough players. You can choose to start a league, join an existing, or purchase a team from a previous owner. If you're serious about joining the big leagues, Go to DynastyOwner.com and start your dynasty today. We'll talk to the folks from Dynasty Owner uh, either this week or next, uh, coming up soon uh, on the Wednesday podcast here. Uh, but just big thanks to them for sponsoring us today. Uh, okay, second-year breakouts. That's a trendy thing, Chris. Uh, and I kind of buy into the, the notion here. Uh, is that I, I kind of want to get your take on you know, timing and finding guys that are breakouts that maybe not uh, didn't produce the year before. Because let's face it, if you're just going after, after the previous year, you're never going to find everything that you want. Yeah, you, you got you to gotta find – I mean, the biggest profit centers in any fantasy sport, which is, you know, baseball and pitchers or 
or football or basketball, whatever, is taking a guy who wasn't especially good last year, who then mm-hmm. is really good this year. Um, that's where you make your profit, right? If he's already good, you know, if you have Justin Jefferson this year, then he's going to be expensive. So you, you, you may make a profit if he's good or you may break even, which is great in a, with a top pick, but you're never going to make your profit there. So it's always finding out somebody who's, you know, not good and uh, and becomes good. So I think where a, f- a fertile place to look is second year wideouts. And obviously the, the top ones are going to be um, expensive, but, you know, like Van Jefferson, Van Jefferson barely got a, a look last year. He was right. very buzzy in camp, but for whatever reason, Jared Goff didn't target him. The offensive line was bad last year. I think Goff was just looking to, at his first looks. He couldn't, you know, go very deep in the reads. The offense didn't move the ball. There just weren't a lot of opportunities. Uh, I think someone's going to be the number three there, right? Uh, Cup and Cup and Woods are there, but um, that number three is open, and it could be Jefferson. It could be um, Tyler Higby, who I think is going to be pretty good and worth drafting. But somebody with Stafford there is going to be very productive. And what if Woods or Cup gets hurt? Cup's been hurt a bunch. You know, you have serious upside for Van Jefferson. So that's kind of my guy as a sleeper. Um, Henry Ruggs didn't do much. He was good on a per play basis. Are they going to finally you know, get him the ball? Jalen Rieger is another guy. Second year was hurt a lot last year. First round pick. Everyone's drafting Devonta Smith, but Rieger could easily be the number one guy. Um, you know, all those all those guys from last year that didn't really make it. I mean, Denzel Mims, right? Like they signed Corey Davis. They draft Elijah Moore. They're, they don't really like Denzel Mims, but you can get him for free with your last pick usually. So sometimes guys like that just come out of nowhere. Remember Tyler Boyd it was actually year three, but like we left Tyler Boyd for dead. And yep. suddenly he was good. You know, these receivers, year two, year three, they sometimes get it. Brian Edwards of the Raiders, another one. There's tons of, of receivers from last year that just weren't, you know, weren't great, uh, but still have roles. And, uh, you know, you drafted Pittman. That's another one. Um, you can And you can treat, like, Paris Campbell, his teammate, as a second-year guy because he played, like, one game last year. And so he never really got that chance. That's another guy. And, of course, we want to see what he's like coming back from the major knee injury, too, though. Yeah. So all those all those guys that haven't done much that have some skill um that were, you know, highly drafted. Uh, I mean Van Jefferson was a second round pick. They they talked him up. He was the talk of camp. He was the Elijah Moore of last year's camp, although it was more like training camp, which is actually more important than mini camp. And then they just never really used him. So um he might have been banged up. I can't remember, but anyway, yeah. Just just look look for those cheap second year receivers when you're, you know, toward the end of your draft. Yep. And, and look, and then also I think rookies can be a source of profit too. Justin Jefferson probably was drafted and then dropped because he wasn't used much in the first couple of weeks. Then he, he finally got, he got a little bit of a look and that, that his, his value took off. And then obviously he was a huge source of profit for you this year. I mean, granted you, you had like draft contemporary Jalen Rieger, who wasn't much of a profit and Henry Ruggs wasn't at all. Uh, so, I mean, it can go in a different way. Jerry Judy was kind of eh, okay. Hard to rely on. Uh, Hard to rely on. Very, very, very difficult. Speaking of guys that weren't targeted in the red zone last year that much, uh, that that and of course bad quarterback play is part of the problem there too. And that that's a lot of times you get these teams that are drafting rookie wide receivers and they get drafted on teams where the running backs or I mean where the quarterbacks quarterback play is really bad. And that's a that's a constant threat too. Yeah, I mean Denver's tough because there's so many guys and the quarterbacks are bad. And it's just a it's just a tough situation. Like I, I'll draft Judy because there's ceiling. Cortland Sutton has ceiling. No fan has a ceiling. But I mean, it's just too many mouths to feed it. You know, with a bad passing offense, and they really needed to trade for Rodgers or Deshaun Watson or somebody because I just don't think Locke and Bridgewater. I just 
maybe Bridgewater, you know, Bridgewater supported Robbie Anderson and, and uh, DJ Moore last year. So maybe he can just be competent enough to uh, feed those receivers. Yeah, that's right. Maybe that that's the case. How about this year's rookie crop? I mean, Jamar Chase is getting drafted first among me. He was the first draft. He's got Joe Burrow. seems like that's a pretty good setup there. Devontae Smith, we don't know how well he's going to do in Philly. Uh, you know, we don't even know who if it's if it really is going to be if they trade for Watson or anything like that. But uh, we don't know. Who, otherwise, you know, there's questions still at quarterback there uh, whether they can handle it. And then finally, uh, Jalen Waddle, who you know he's he's drafted the same area as these guys, but he he's going way later than those other two. Yeah. So I'm just assuming it's hurts, right? I mean, like why? I mean, a rumor of a Watson trade just seems so far fetched. Like. The guy yeah. may be suspended for the whole year. We don't know, you know, what the deal is with the what actually happened. I say this on the XM every time. I don't weigh in on accusations one way or the other. We're not a court of law. We're not, you know, trial by Twitter, trial by podcast is really dumb. There's reasons that there's due process. There's reasons where there's protections. Um, but they're going to find out one way, one way or the other. And it could be, it could go against him. You know, we don't know, or it could be settled. Um, but just, you know, given the, the PR situation, even I just, I find it very hard to believe that, you know, that, the Eagles are going to trade him and uh, give up their promising young quarterback and deal with a suspended guy for when, I mean, maybe, I, I guess, you know, they could say, okay, we'll just write this year off. And let's say Deshaun Watson suspended for half the year, or all the year. And they're like, okay, 2022, we've got a top quarterback. Um, maybe, but it just seems far-fetched to me. I'm just assuming Hertz is their guy. Hertz showed some promise. I mean, why not stick with him? And, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, Devonta Smith is the guy people are drafting in the seventh round. He was a, superstar college and uh he's a little slight he's six feet 170 which is a very low uh body mass index for a wide receiver usually the guys who are 185 190 or are 510 they're like tyreek hill you, you right. get a guy's two inches taller and 15 pounds lighter that is a skinny dude and you know nfl's rough it's, it's not you know you know marquise brown really can't get a lot of target share deshaun jackson was a great player he got hurt a lot and never got a lot of target share because he's just too light. So Smith is going to be yeah. an interesting test of that. He, he's about as, as you know, as slightly built as I've ever seen for like somebody who's a, a big time wide receiver. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, let's move on to tight end. Uh, we, we can go over the individual rookies later on. And, you know, we got every week we're going to be uh, talking every Monday here. So we're just going to kind of move on generally tight ends. Uh, it's, it's usually considered a, a risk to draft rookie tight ends. Usually they, they don't do much the rookie year. There are some exceptions here and there, but they usually don't go off. They also usually don't get drafted high in by NFL teams. Kyle Pitts, a lot of people are projecting him to break that mold. He was drafted in the top five by the Falcons. He's not your traditional tight end. He's going to line up outside a lot. Uh, what's your take on Kyle Pitts? I mean, I'm not a college football guy, so I don't really know. I watched some highlights just because I was curious. Um, mm -hmm. He looked good, but it was really hard to tell. I mean, it just seemed so easy. They were just open. Quarterback threw it up, and he would kind of grab it from people. Um, my take is that uh, when you when you're told that this guy is the generational best tight end prospect of all time, um, believe it. You know, I I don't think it's one of those like, oh well, Sam Bradford, oh number one QB, Sam Bradford, or you know, there's always like the best QB in the class. They'll start to hype up, oh Sam Darnold, he could go number one. You know, he's a top QB. And then you actually realize, no, he's just like one of the top QBs for this particular year who happens to be. But Kyle Pitts, like there's nobody disputing that this is like the best number one tight end ever. And he went fourth overall, which tight ends never do. 
and nobody's disputing it. You know, when LeBron James came out of high school, they were like, oh, this is like the sickest prospect ever. And he was, and he exceeded it. And not everybody turns out that way, but you know, we're not just talking about the best guy of this year's crop. We're talking about the best tight end prospect of all time. Right. And so, you know, they're, they're, the size speed specs are there. The college production's there. The comps are Calvin Johnson. Uh, and so I'll take him, you know, in that second tier, that Hawkinson, um, Andrews tier. I know he goes a little bit ahead of that in the NFBC. I got him when he slipped to the sixth and one. And I think, you know, that's correct. I think, I don't, I don't know if we can put him in the Kelsey, uh, Kittle tier yet, but, um, I, I think it's worth the gamble. I mean, I think it, by week three, we could all say, why weren't we taking this guy in the third round? It's ridiculous. He's dominating. Um, but I think in my opinion, like we'll see with Trevor Lawrence quarterbacks, a little more complex, but with a guy like Pitts, like I expect him to be really, really good. Like right away. I don't, uh, to me, it's like, I don't, I do too. if it's a generational guy, I don't doubt it. It's not like they, maybe people throw around that word a little bit, but you know, they weren't saying this about OJ Howard, who was a big tight end prospect. Yeah. Uh, they, he was close. They, they did love him, but never this well, Hawkinson was drafted, you know, eighth overall yeah. or something, you know, but they, there was never this hype for Hawkinson or Howard that there is right. for Pitts. I, and you know, I, I guess sometimes it's fake, but I, I feel like every year we deal with this, you know, and you know, Vlad Guerrero in baseball it took quite a while, took three years, but like it was, it's real. Like he's the guy he's supposed to be too bad. If you drafted in the last couple of years, but if you have him this year, you know, some of these guys, Tatis Acuna, they're the guy they're supposed to be. This is the, the hype is yeah. justified. This isn't, you know, this isn't fake. Um, and so, yeah, sometimes there's injuries or something prevents it, but um, I, I'm just going to take it at face value and draft him accordingly. Tight ends generally, you're not big on taking the early one, I've noticed. You, you, I don't see you taking Kelsey. I don't see you taking Waller. You did take George Brittle, as you like to call him I in the Vegas League. I took Brittle uh, in third, yeah. That was, that was an early pick. That was an early investment there. Uh, in fairness to you, you didn't have your cheat sheet in front of you. Probably might not. You might not have taken him, but you also I might have taken going. Mahomes. I might have taken Mahomes. I forgot about quarterbacks because I didn't have a cheat sheet, but I also felt I should take him from Dalton. No, just uh, not I, have that's exactly what I was about to say yeah. is you're depriving and picking one spot ahead of him in that draft yeah. in person, no less too. That's all, yeah. all the better, but uh, typically what's your take on tight ends and what about this year's pool? Um, I like to get, uh, I like that. And I like Mark Andrews. I like Pitts. I like Hawkinson a little bit. Um, I like that tier. I feel like, I feel like where you get Waller and you did the same thing in your uh, beat Jeff Erickson, you passed on Waller for AJ Brown. And when you're when you're looking at Waller or Kittle, you're passing on like a really good wide receiver usually, and it's it's tough for me to do that. Um, I I like Gronk a lot this year. I like Higby um, deeper. I like Gerald Everett as a flyer because he's you know the guy in Seattle now. Uh, but I I feel like I can draft the tight ends in any part. I don't like taking Kelsey. I could see maybe if you're at, at pick twelve, but I would still rather go Adams Hill or if Adams has gone to Hill and Diggs or Hill and Metcalf, um, Hill and Hopkins. I I just, I don't like the build at the tight end. I know Kelsey was so valuable last year because the difference between him and like, I know Waller was pretty good. And then the difference between him and like tight end three or even tight end five was like so cavernous that it was a huge advantage to have Kelsey last year. And, and that was just a fact. And people won because they took him, but that was last year, right? Like what if Andrews has a good year and Pitts has a monster year and Kittle stays healthy and, you know, someone else like Goddard, you know, has a lot of targets and, fan break you know then it won't be that way it was just that way last year and i think you know people took JP, uh, jt real muto for the same reason in baseball they're like jt real muto that's the hugest advantage you could possibly have i'm taking that guy in the third round well 
It's not this year. It's not, you know, nope. so nope. It's, uh, it isn't. Don't don't draft over, you know, off of last year's, especially if, you know, it's one thing if like the game's changed in a certain way. Oh, the sun's come out. Um, it's one thing if the game's changed in a certain way and then the, the style of drafting has now changed to match the game. And you're like, no, we just have to do this because the game is now this way. But if it's just like a positional fluke where, you know, none of the other tight ends are any good for one particular year. To me, that's not a good reason to draft Kelsey. I, I, you know, he's a first round pick if he does the same thing. Plus, he's, you know, same age as Gronk, 32. And I don't know. He's probably going to be good for another year, but I, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to take him in the first round. And, you know, by the time, and I probably even take like Metcalf over him. So I'm not even going to take him in the early second round. So I'm just not getting Kelsey, I don't think. How about the opposite side of the coin? Are you comfortable waiting on tight end until 10th round or later? I can do. I mean, if Gronk is there, I love that. So I, yeah, I'm totally comfortable. Although in my league now, someone's going to take him just to get me. Uh, Higby's good. Um, you know, I'm not a Tanyan guy, but now with Rogers back, that's fine. Um, yeah, I'm totally comfortable waiting on tight end and, and taking a couple of them and hoping one of them pans out. But I, I find myself usually in round five uh, getting Mark Andrews. Usually, if there's nothing that slips to me that I like, I'm like, all right, you know, it's always the the cowardly punt play, right? Where you take the QB or the tight end, you're like, all right, I don't really want to, I don't really love any of these running back receivers here. I'm not going to take Miles Gaskin or Mike Davis. All right, screw it. I'll take a tight end. And you know, it's a good tight end. So you're like, all right, I've, it's like taking a closer or catcher. It's like, okay, fine. That's not cowardly. That's just using what the draft, taking what the draft gets you. Gets right. You. But, I mean, it, but it's, no, it's cowardly. And, and, and I'm guilty of it all the time because you're not making You're not willing to make a choice at the scarce position at the, at the receiver and the running back. You're not like, you're not willing to say, okay, which one of these chase Edmonds, Mike Davis guys, am I going to invest in? You're like, I don't want to deal with this problem. It's too, it's too stressful. I don't, I don't like it. I don't trust any of these guys. So give me the, a, a different position. It's just punting really. Yeah. Yeah, it, it could be. It, it could be viewed as that. But, you know, it's funny how we were talking. I was talking about this on the Sunday show with Bob Harris joined uh, Jim Coventry and I. And there's always that one little lull in the draft, like fifth, sixth, seventh round, where you don't like anybody. And then later on, you love people. And you're yeah. like, oh, yeah, give me this Antonio Brown in the eighth. I love it. You know, give me that. You know, but there, there's that one lull where you're like, I guess I'll take the QB. I guess I'll take the tight end. It's really true. And it happens in almost every sport. Yeah, it's because it's still expensive in those rounds. They're not sleepers. Like, you actually need them to do well for you. You're not just right. like, ah, oh, whatever, I'll take a flyer. But, um, but yeah, so they're, they're still expensive. So you need, like, a flyer, but, like, it, it's not a good deal. It's like if it were an auction, there'd be a gap, right? There'd be like, okay, the first four guy, first four and a half rounds are expensive, and then there'd mm -hmm. be a big drop-off. But you don't get a drop-off. You don't get to do it. Drafts are incrementally $1 or half a dollar less each pick or, you know, 10 cents less each pick. Um, and so it's like an auction that you are forced to spend more than you want on a pick because yeah. that's what a draft is. It's an auction with forced slots. And so you like, oh, I have to spend this much. And you don't want, you know, normally you'd want, you know, your top four guys and then, save up for cheaper picks later get you know you'd rather have three or four eighth or ninth round picks uh and no sixth round pick rather than one of each uh and so uh it just is what it is but yeah everybody has the same problem too yeah and real nfl teams have that problem you know it might be the second or third round and they trade down for a couple of fifths you know and they you know trading down is one done done well for franchises because the player costs less also 
Uh, there's a smaller signing bonus. If, you know, of course, that it fits against their cap and all that. So they have a constraints that we don't have, but it, they, they're able to leverage that better per, because of that too. Uh, and they, yet they also know everyone's got their guy. It's, it's kind of tricky. But, uh, before we sign off today, two questions. Uh, we'll, we'll, we always will try to hit questions at the end of the show. Uh, C answers. Uh, trade question. PPR league. Full point PPR. Chris, I'm making you answer questions. I know it's not your favorite thing, but we're going to do it here a couple of times. Gaskins, Lamb, and Kirk for Chark, Devonta Smith, Devontae Smith, and Drake. Which side would you prefer? The Lamb side. Always take the yep. best player. Just uh, Agreed. I was in those multi. And I also like Gaskins over Drake, too. So, yeah, it's, it's easy. Yeah. Uh, so there, easy questions. But a lot of times hard. people do this. They, they, they ask you a question about a trade that they're offering. That they're never going to get this trade done because the other guy's going to be like, hell no, I'm not doing that trade. Right, like, right, right. First they ask you, then they offer it, then it gets rejected, and you've just wasted your time. Go or ahead. they've already done the trade. That's the other thing I've seen a lot right. of times. Well, that's yeah. at least like, you know, at least it's something. But the ones that never even happen because, you know, it's not even a fair trade. So he's like, okay, I'll, offer, I'll go and offer that. Yeah. All right. This is a more of a general question. This is more in your wheelhouse. Chris asks, running back is a young man's position. Any rookie or younger running backs you're higher on? And with an extra game now, any effect on your strategy? Yeah, these are better questions uh, rather than some specific to your particular league. Uh, you know, I, I don't know because this is Dalton's guy, but like Trey Sermon, you know, the, the buzz was good on him. Mostert's mm -hmm. not durable. There's not really a starter there. There's not really someone you can say is a starter. And the running game is always really good there. The system is really good for running back. So Trey Sermon's a guy that I would uh, invest in. Um, I'm tra Travis Etienne, you and I talked about him. You drafted him. I just think, you know, we don't know what the split's going to be. But based on where they took him, his rapport with Trevor Lawrence and just the physical and uh, production, you know, the physical skills and the, the college production, it's like that guy could easily win you your league easily. And so, you know, would it surprise you if Mike Davis was a top five pick next year? Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Would it surprise you if Josh Jacobs was a top five pick next year? Probably. Yeah. yeah. Although if you asked me that question a year ago, I would have said no. Yeah. But this year, now that you know yeah. more, right, because right. you're supposed to catch passes last year and all that. Okay. Would it surprise you uh, if Travis Etienne was, you know, a top five pick? Of course not. He's like, obviously the guy that in 2022 could be 1.1 and Trevor Lawrence is good. The offense is good. It's a, it's one of the best teams. They, you know, he caught 60 passes as a rookie and he's, you know, dominated down the stretch. I mean, this is the easiest thing to imagine. So how likely is that? Maybe it's 30%, you know, whatever. But like, if you have like a big likelihood that this guy's in the top five next year, you got to draft him in round three and round four. You got to take him. And, and he's been round four, but um, I think he's going to start creeping up because it's just, again, I don't know what his role is. I could be totally, you know, I may get him and regret, you know, not taking a receiver there or something, but um, it's so easy to see how he'd be a league winner. I agree. Finally, in the second part of that question, extra game. Is that, how's that affecting your strategy with running backs or any, anything else? Um, I, I think it was, we had, uh, who do we have on? It was, uh, oh, it was Scott Fish was on and he was saying, and I, I, it made sense. I hadn't really thought of it this way, but just, it's just one more game, but it just means the committee guys are getting a little more work yeah. because, you know, maybe Tony Pollard gets a few extra carries because, you know, they know it's an extra game. They got to keep these guys healthy for. And so, um, just, yeah, the guys who are like just slightly behold, below the threshold of being interesting because their role's a little smaller than you prefer, you know, maybe bump them up a little bit. Like A.J. Dillon, you know, is, is one of those guys. He's not going to catch a lot of passes, but I think with 17 games and Aaron Jones never getting a huge workload, like A.J. Dillon is going to get 
a, a, you know, 200 carries this year. And I think that helps him. And if there was, you know, one fewer game, they might, when the game's tight, like, you know, push Aaron Jones a little harder, but I think maybe things like that, where they'll, they'll give the backup a little more work. Yep. Yep. I think you're right about that. I think that's going to definitely be a thing. Uh, I think, yeah, you know, we already have kind of an established platoon with uh, Chubb and, and Hunt. I don't think that changes. It's some of these other teams where it's a little less, it's not really a platoon. It's more of a, uh, definitely a one and a two. It's going to be more like one A and one B. I think it'll be closer to that, you know, where it's it's clear that the, the, the second back gets work. Now we'll get a little bit more work. It'll be more like instead of 64, instead of like 70, 30, it'll be like 65, 35, 60, 40. As far as the split goes, yeah, I mean, and th- yeah, that's right, and and I think Dylan's the perfect guy for that. That's like the perfect one. Like it will, it would be a backup situation. Now it's going to be a one A one B. Yep, there you go, there you go. All right, that's going to wrap it up. Good questions, people. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for winbet.com for sponsoring us. Let's get more states on that ledger. There, get California going. Come on, California, fight the fight the uh, local interest here, so we can get uh, some some sports betting here. That would be nice, but. Not anytime soon, probably. The, us in Arizona are going to be like the last two states, I think. Uh, so, so it goes. I can bet in Portugal, though, so it's fine. Yeah, so it's fine. There you go. Not in the NFL, probably. Or could you? Yeah, I think you can. I, I it, They look kind of dingy, the places that I would go, so I don't do it, but I can. Yeah. yeah, I want online sports betting. That's what I want. Yeah. Just doing it from my house. All right, thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back again next week. God knows who what, what, who, and what we'll talk about, but listen, I'll be here. It'll be the intra-county edition, again, of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.